0: I have a message for you today. Is that cool? I'm going to talk to you. We're in fall revival. I want to talk to you from this thought, revived by love. Revived by love. I'm going to read 1 John, and then I'm going to jump into Daniel chapter 10, and I'm going to take these two truths, one from the New Covenant and Testament, and one from an Old Covenant and Testament, tie them together and show you something about the love of God. 1 John chapter 4, I'm going to start in verse 13. 1 John 4 and 13, this is what the Bible says. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit and we have seen and testified. I just got to thank the worship team. I feel the presence of God in this room today. My voice sounds cool to me. Maybe something to put on this microphone. <laughs> and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. That is a massive theological statement. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love love. Wow. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We ask over these moments we have together that you would speak to us clearly. You are amazing. And we just want to see another level. We want to go deeper into how amazing and incredible you are today. Help us see you in the scriptures like never before. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. I'm going to say something really controversial to get it started this morning, and I'm going to just give you a second just to make up your mind if you want to stay or go. <clears throat> I don't like coffee. I saw you. I'm just hanging, just hanging for a second. I, I, don't, I don't like it. I, I don't like coffee. I don't like the smell of it. I don't like the taste of it. I know, this is, this is serious this morning. I, uh, I, I've tasted it, and, and my wife is like, you just haven't had the right cup of coffee, so she takes me to all these different coffee shops, and it's the same every time. It's like, it's like a mixture of dirt and carpet. And listen, I'm Pentecostal. I know what carpet tastes like. I've spent a lot of time with my face on the ground. I don't like it. And I don't think you should either. I'm not going I'm to impose this on you and call out your faith or your salvation or anything, but I just, I, I don't think you should. As a matter of fact, I don't think you actually do. I don't think you do. And the reason I don't think you do is because for most of you, except for the freaks out there who just take it black, like straight up, like my father. My father is so crazy. My dad, we were on the golf course the other day. It's 95 degrees in the south. My dad has a, a, a mug of coffee while we're playing golf. And I'm like, dad, you need water. My dad looks at me. He goes, "Bruh, there's water in coffee. <laughs> but I don't think some of y'all like it because of how much stuff you've got to put in it to drink it. I mean, you got more milk than coffee. You got more sugar. You know, there's sugar already in it, and you could put raw sugar in it, but it's still sugar. I don't, I don't like. I don't like it. I don't like Crate and Barrel. I know you didn't come to church this morning to expect me to just go off on coffee and Crate and Barrel, but I don't like Crate and Barrel. Crate and Barrel. I don't know if you know what Crate and Barrel is. Crate and Barrel is like a. It's like an IKEA. It's like. It's like a. It's like an IKEA that that steals from you your future. Because, great, you got a couch from Crate and Barrel, but you cannot afford your car payment anymore. I don't like coffee, I I I don't like Crate and Barrel. And the other day, I found myself in the most ridiculous situation I think I ever found myself in my entire life. I was looking for a coffee machine in a Crate and Barrel. This is a definition of hell, right, (laughs) for somebody like me. And the reason I'm in this crate and barrel looking for a coffee machine is because my wife loves coffee. I'm not in crate and barrel because I love coffee or crate and barrel. I'm in crate and barrel looking for a coffee maker because my life loves, my wife loves coffee. And, And this is what love does. Love will make you do stuff and go places that you would not naturally go or have any inclination to go. But because you love someone so much, you find yourself doing things that you never would do before. Yeah. I don't like plants. <laughs> I mean, I don't have a real problem with plants, but they're, they're in my house. That's my problem with plants plants. The other day, I was getting ready to preach on a Sunday at our church, and my wife, she, she looks at me, and she goes, before, before she says, hey, honey, I'm praying for you. I'm, 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 I'm hoping today goes well. She looks at me, and she goes, you left my plant outside. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry I left your plant in its natural habitat, like where it came from. I thought it was born out there. <laughs> I like plants. I don't like dogs. Oh, it's getting serious now, but I got one. I got one. I pet it. It lays on me. I mean, if you were to really come into my house and survey my house, you would look around my house and find that there is actually nothing in my house that I like. (laughs) I mean, except my wife and my children, but like, and maybe the TV, but there's nothing in there. And you know what? I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be happier to get home to a house that doesn't have anything in it material-wise that I'm all about, but it's got the people in it that I love, and it's got the stuff in it that they love. And so no longer, listen to me, no longer as a follower of Jesus do we see life the way we want it to be, but now we have come into this relationship of love, and God loves us so well that we want to love him well. The Bible says that we love him because he first loved Us, I love, this is what love does. This is what love does. This is why it's so important for you and I to get the motivation for serving God correctly. It's love, it's not fear. If Monica said, hey, I love coffee, so you better love coffee, I'm gonna set you on fire for all of eternity. That didn't sound like love to me. But she loves me so well That the things that I do for her, even though it's not a part of my natural inclination, I do it because I love her. And then I end up loving what she loves. Hmm. Perfect love. The Bible says, cast out all fear. So I want to tell you this morning, your issue is is not that you're not afraid enough of God. Your issue is that you are settling for an inferior love. God's perfect love removes the fear. The fear of what? Specifically punishment. What's the punishment of hell? The punishment of hell is... It's not really the flames and the fire. It's, it's really separation from God. It's the idea that I could be rejected by God, separated by God for all of eternity. Once I realize that he loves me so well that I can never be, as a, as a follower of Jesus, I can never be punished by God. Because Jesus took that punishment for me. So all that awaits me is an embrace, is acceptance, It's love. Hmm. For you to believe that you could be rejected would be for you to believe, like Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy, he said to him, even when you are faithless, he is faithful. Why? Because he cannot deny himself. Remember what we just read? You are like who in this world? You are like Jesus in this world. It's easy for us to believe that when we see Jesus, we see the Father. But what's difficult for us to believe is that when the Father sees us, he sees Jesus. (laughs) John 6 and 37 says this, Jesus said, all that the Father gives me will come to me and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. Isaiah 41, the message tells us there that God has a grip on us and he is not letting go. So let's go to Daniel chapter 10 for a second. In Daniel chapter 10, There's an interesting situation that happens with Daniel. He gets a vision from God, and this vision troubles him, troubles him so much that the Bible says he started to mourn for three weeks. He mourns for three weeks. He fasts for three weeks. He eats no-choice meat. For some strange reason, the Bible tells us that Daniel also didn't put on any lotion. Okay, Daniel. (laughs) (laughs) And while he is fasting and praying, the Bible says that there's an angel that has been dispatched to help him and explain the vision further. But the angel gets caught up in resistance by the enemy, the prince of Persia. And so Daniel gets to the end of his fast. He's weak, he's pale in his face, and at the end of those 21 days, the Bible says that this angel shows up and when the angel shows up, Daniel gives this incredible explanation of the angel and I wanna read it to you in Daniel chapter 10. Look what he says. He says, I had this vision in, in verse Let's go to verse four. He says, on the 24th day of the first month, I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris. I looked up and before me, there was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision because those who were with me did not see it because they ran in terror and they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone gazing at this great vision I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking. And as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, face on the ground. (laughs) Think about this for a second. When you read the Bible and you look at angel encounters, Almost every time an angel encounters a human being, they have to tell the human being, hey, hey, listen, don't be afraid. Daniel's in the same circumstance. He looks up and he sees this angel and he's, he's, he's tired because he's been fasting. His face is pale. I mean, put some lotion on, homie. And he's struggling. And this encounter with the angel overwhelms him. But then he says this, he says, but when I heard him speak, I fell into a deep sleep Face on the ground. There is something on the inside of us that understands that the greatness of God and the wonder and the splendor of God, even the angels are almost uh, fearful when you think about them. But all of that, all of that majesty and all of that splendor and all of that strength and all of that power, you have to not see it as against you. You have to see it as. For you. And so the angel wanted Daniel to know, I'm not here to hurt you, Daniel. You are actually very valuable to God. That's why I'm here. And so when he began to speak, his whole perception about who the angel was, who God was changed. And he said, I went from scared out of my mind. This guy looked crazy to fallen face down on the ground asleep. Wow. It's unbelievable to me. So he says, I fell on my face. I'm sleeping. I'm in his presence. If, if the presence of God does anything to you, the presence of God should cause you to rest. Not be anxious. But for so many of us, we don't believe we belong in the presence of God. And so no wonder our prayer lives are frustrated. No wonder our, our, our giving lives are frustrated. No wonder our Bible reading is frustrating because we are trying to read ourselves. We are trying to pray ourselves. We are trying to give ourselves into a place we already sit. So I came to tell somebody right now, the presence of God is not a place you go. The presence of God is your new address. It's where you belong, face-to-face with God, your creator. Can somebody in the room say amen? So the angel comes, and Daniel's afraid, and he thinks there's something to be concerned about, but the angel says, no, Daniel, you are precious to the Lord. Listen to what Daniel 10 10 through 11, he said, I felt my face, and his hand lifted me up, and he looked at him and said, you are highly esteemed. The New Living Translation says, you are precious to God. Remember I said we believe that if we've seen Jesus, we've seen the Father, but what we struggle to believe is that when God sees us, he sees Jesus. We believe that God's nature is revealed in Jesus, but so is mine. So I refuse to look at God through anyone but Jesus, right? But God refuses to look at me through anyone but Jesus, I'm gonna say something that's gonna sound crazy, and when I say it, it's going to almost feel like heresy to you, but you are as righteous as God. Oh man, it just sounds weird, doesn't it? You are as righteous as God, but 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 says, He who knew no sin, became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So when Hebrews 4 and 16 says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. It's not just an invitation to a place. It is a statement about your position. He's inviting you into the place that you came from. Jeremiah said that while I was in the womb of my mother, he was knitting me together. So the presence of God isn't something I'm I'm coming to. The presence of God is something I'm returning to. It's where I belong. I belong face to face with God. This is a place that is full of so much glory and presence that in the Old Testament, the priests would die if they hadn't properly cleansed themselves. But you just sat in it for 30 minutes and sang songs to God. The same place that would kill them if they weren't good enough. You just sat in it for 30 minutes. You live in it every day of your life. The presence of God is not a place you go. It's who you are. You are now seated with Christ in heavenly Places. Oh, man. Notice that a couple of things about this story, and I'll, I'll let you go. The Bible says in this story that, that when this angel shows up, that the people that were with Daniel actually ran and hid themselves. He says, I alone saw the vision because everybody else around me was so freaked out, they ran and hid themselves. How many things? Have you missed because you thought you needed to hide from God? I don't know if I have time to do this, but I'm gonna do it anyway. You go back to Genesis. When Adam and Eve sinned, when Adam and Eve sinned, the temptation that Satan put before them was that God knows the day that you eat of this fruit that you will be like him, knowing good and evil. So they ate of it. They knew they were naked. They were afraid. And what did they do? They hid themselves. And God shows up. Every day, God would come down, and he would walk with man. And God shows up for the walk. And Adam and Eve aren't there. And God says, Adam, where are you at? We're over here, God. We've been hiding now. God's like, I'm here for the walk. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. We're hiding over here. You know, we were next, And God said, who told you that? Yeah. And every day you have an opportunity to wake up and go on a walk with God, but you're hiding from it because you think you don't deserve it. And God is like, I'm here for the walk. Where are you? so you have to begin to understand the depth of the love of God. You you need to know this. You need to know that when when you wake up in in the morning, you're not just tolerated by God, you you are special. You are a treasure to God. Jesus didn't die to make you tolerable to God. I think for some reason we've, we've misunderstood even, even the fall of man. When they fell and God kicked them out of the garden, it wasn't that God was so disgusted with them that he couldn't be around them. If that were the case, how did he walk with Enoch? How did he have a relationship by faith with Abraham? God's never been disgusted with us. God's been disgusted with our thinking, but never with us. And, and, and watch as the, it's actually the love of God that pushes them out of the garden. Why? Because God didn't want them to live forever with the same mindset that they now had. So he, he kicks them out because he says, I can't have you around the tree of life. And the knowledge that you now have And you live that way forever. It's the grace of God that kicked Adam and Eve. It's the love of God that kicked them out of the garden. It wasn't the disgust of God. Jesus doesn't make you tolerable to God. God loved the whole world. While you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. Jesus is God's way of saying, I want to spend forever with you. Religion will tell you, even in the gospels when Jesus is teaching and he says stuff like, there was a man that found a treasure in a field and he went and he sold all he had so that he could possess it. And there was another man looking for fine pearls and he went and so sold all that he had to possess it. Religion will tell you that you're the man who found the treasure in the field and you're the man that was looking for the pearl and you sold all you had so that you could have God. Here's the problem, God was never for sale. You can't buy him. You are the treasure. And until you see yourself as a pearl, you were a pearl before you were ever purchased. Me being bought doesn't make me a pearl. Me being purchased just reveals to me my value my salvation. Come on, somebody. You got to understand this because if you don't understand this, the presence of God will be a place that you hide from. It won't be your dwelling place. It won't be the place you live. It won't be in him. I live and I move and I have my being. You won't pray with confidence. You won't ask with confidence. Oh my goodness. So the angel has to remind Daniel, Hey, you're precious to God. Really? I haven't put on lotion for three weeks. I'm precious <laughs> to God. Well, let me reconsider. Maybe not, but you smell, but you're still precious to God. Huh. How, how many things have you missed because you didn't feel like you earned it or were worthy of it? When God called people throughout scripture, almost all of them, what do they do? They bring up their disqualifications. I'm too old, I'm too young, I can't speak, I'm not enough. How many dreams have you talked yourself out of because of your negative view of you? Your negative view of you is just as much unbelief as not believing in Jesus Christ. Pride is not just arrogance, pride Is an under. It's it's when you undervalue what God sees in you. (laughs) My goodness. So the Bible says the angel comes to Daniel and he says he says he says and then he lifted me up. He lifted me up and he says I got onto my hands and my knees. And then he said to me, he said, stand up. He touched me again. He said, stand up for I have been sent to you. He said, when when he said this to me, he said, I stood up, still trembling. I love this because it reminds me and you that our recovery is a process. Some of us might be on our face today, but that doesn't change my position in God. Some of us might just be crawling through life on our hands and my knees, but that doesn't change my position in God. Some of you might be standing this morning, but you're not standing because you are strong. You are standing because he is strong. You are standing because he told you to stand. I remember, I remember when I took over from my father, and there were a lot of people who would say stuff like, "Oh man, you know, you're just up there because of who your dad is, and you're just up there because of who your family is." And I, I used to get so intimidated by that stuff. And I would go to my house, I would go into my room, I would go into my office, and I would cry and I would think, "God, what are you? Why would you do this to me? Why would you? Why would you not give me something of my own? Why would you not?" And he said, he said to me something so incred- incredible. He said, he said, "Stand, scared." Preach scared. Oh, my God. Wait wait a minute. You, you mean I don't have to preach with it all together? You, don't, you mean I don't have to stand up because I've got my act together? You mean I can stand with tears in my eyes? He, uh, yes, you can stand with tears in your eyes. And I'm not even standing today because I got it all together. I'm here standing because he told me to. worshiping him this morning because I did everything right this week I'm worshiping him because he said I could I'm not in his presence because I've been perfect I'm in his presence because he told me to he said enter his gates with thanksgiving enter his courts with praise I'm not lifting my hands because I'm worthy I'm lifting my hands because he is so I don't care what you think about me he told me to uh, who are you to build that business? I don't know. He told me to. <laughs> who are you to start that church in Las Vegas? I don't know, but he told me to. I'm not standing because I'm great. I'm standing because he's great, and he told me to stand. Woo. Listen to me. Some things are not a failure of execution. They are actual spiritual opposition. Some things are not a failure of execution, they're a spiritual opposition. If you're not careful to understand and discern spiritual opposition, you will spend your life trying to perfect something God never asked you to do. So here is Daniel. He'd be out here mourning for three weeks, fasting. He'd go, No Chick fil A. He's like, I'm not just going to be hungry, but I'm going to smell funny doing it. No lotion for three weeks. Now watch what happens. The angel of the Lord shows up, <laughs> verses 12 through 14. This is what the angel says. The angel said, don't be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before God, your words were heard. I have come in response to them. Hold up, hold hold up, wait a second. You mean, you mean my fasting isn't why you're here? You mean to tell me I didn't eat meat for three weeks and that's not why you're here? I mean, I would have thought the lotion thing would have moved the heart of God. But the angel says, none of that mattered. It's not why I'm here. He said from the first day, I'm not here because of your fasting. I'm not here because of your mourning. I'm not here because of the no lotion. I'm here because I heard what you said. And if you, if you, if you don't understand the love of God, then you will try to, you will try to emotionally match the level of your storm. And this is what a lot of Christianity is. It's just Christians running around trying to match the level of their storm with some sort of activity. So if the storm is raging, you gotta be raging. If the wind is blowing, you gotta be. And so if we're not careful, we'll be like Daniel. We'll jump We'll jump in the morning and fasting and and no lotion, thinking all of that's gonna impress God and get God's attention. But God's like, from the day you opened up your mouth, I heard you. It wasn't a failure of execution. It was spiritual opposition. And what some of you are facing is not a failure of execution. It's actual opposition from an enemy who hates you, hates your family, hates your future, and wants to destroy your life. The angel said, man, I I came, but I was resisted. I heard you the first day. Is such good news. That is such good news to me. That means that I'm not here. I'm not, I'm not in the room telling you not to pray. am not telling you not to fast. I am telling you put some lotion on, but I, I am not telling you not to pray and fast. What I am telling you to do is when you pray and fast, don't pray and fast because you're trying to get God to hear you. Pray and fast because you know God is going to hear you, and you want your heart to be ready when he shows up with the answer. Why you, why you fasted? Cause I know he's gonna answer. And I want to be ready when he answers. Why are you living holy? Because I know he's going to come through. And I want to be ready when he comes through. I don't want him to show up and then it take me another six months to get my life together. I want to get my life together while I'm in the middle right now. While it doesn't feel like I'm hearing anything from heaven. While it doesn't feel like I've got an answer to my prayer. Because I know he's going to answer. I know He all of God's promises in Christ are yes and amen. I know he's going to say yes. I want to be ready when he does. Woo! Oh my goodness. I want to be ready when he does. Stop trying to match the intensity of your storm. Maybe storms are are attracted to you. You ever notice there's a there's a there's a this is actually a good thing. You ever noticed in, in the New Testament there's this trend of Jesus and storms, the disciples? Storms always on a boat that's falling apart because of a storm. I discovered this storms are actually attracted to us because they know where to go to be tamed. Yeah, 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 you heard me right. It's is it possible that the chaotic feelings that you feel sometime about your life it's actually the storm coming to you because it knows where to go to be tamed have you ever wondered why that type of person is attracted to you why you find yourselves in these groups of people who have a lot of issues And why everybody's calling you for answers it's because they know where to go to get it together and so every time a storm showed up jesus is like i know why you're here peace be still All that a storm is looking for is for somebody. That's why the Bible says that the whole earth is groaning, awaiting that the sons and the daughters of God would arise in the earth. The world is looking for somebody to say, peace be still. But we're running around just as frantic as everybody else. Oh my God, the interest rates. Oh my God, the housing market. Oh my God, the government. Oh my God, this. And God is like, I'm looking for some people who have so much peace in their heart that know that the storms of the day are actually attracted to you because they know that you can say peace. Be still. Woo. I don't know, maybe. Sometimes the restlessness that you feel is you trying to match the intensity of your storm. Try to match it with force. How about we match it with peace? In the Old Testament, all the people of God knew to do when they messed up was mourn. So Daniel's just following the trend. Oh man, that looks bad. What am I gonna do about it? Cry for three weeks? (laughs) When Jesus comes on the scene, Isaiah prophesied to Jesus that he would give us beauty for ashes. Says that he would give us a beautiful headdress. He would give us also a garment of Praise for the spirit of heaviness. Jesus said, I'm trying to take that heaviness off of you. Yes, yes. You guys just did a study on Colossians, right? In Colossians, it tells us that you were once alienated from God in your minds. You weren't far from God because you were far from God. You were far from God because you thought you were. Amen. Robbie, how do you know that God's going to answer that prayer? Because it didn't it originate in me. It originated in face-to-face with God. Well, how did you get in face-to-face with God? I'm always in face-to-face with God. It's where I belong. It's where I live. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. How do you know God's going to answer that prayer? Because it wasn't my idea. It came from God. Oh, and so many of you are struggling with the will of God because so many of you don't believe you belong in the face of God. You're like the children of Israel in the Old Testament. Go the- Pastor, you go get that word from me. Pastor, you go do that from me. Pastor, you go that. And God's like, I'm inviting you to the mountain. Yes. Yes. So the angel says, man, the prince of Persia resisted me for 21 days. And he said, at the same time you set your heart to do the right thing, the enemy immediately began to oppose you. How many of you have felt that? You finally decide, I'm going to get in a small group. Car breaks down. Finally decide, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna start going to first service. I'm gonna be there early. I'm gonna take the whole family. You start fighting in the car on Sunday morning. Like I'm gonna get my life together. You get moved to work on the weekends. The enemy doesn't oppose your disobedience, he opposes your obedience. It's hard for you because you are actually finding out who you are. And he refuses to just let you know who you are without making you question who you are. So he says, Michael came to help me. He said, I, the angel says, you know, I was fighting the devil on my level. So I needed to call on somebody with access to another level. So I called on Michael, the prince, the chief prince of the angels. I was fighting one of those devils that knew all of my moves, but I called in Michael, and when Michael showed up, I was able to be released to bring the answer to you. And we have a name that is above the name of Michael. That's right. That's right. For every prince of Persia in your life, you have a prince of peace whose name is Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, come on, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Will you stand on your feet? I want you to know today, You belong in face-to-face. In the Old Testament, there's not really a word for presence. Do you know that? There's not a word for presence in the Old Testament. Anytime you see the word presence, almost every time you see the word presence in the Old Testament, it's actually the Hebrew word panim, which means face-to-face. That's what God wants for you. More than a chill bump. More than the hair standing on the back of your neck. God wants you to understand where you belong right now, no matter what you've done or where you've been, you belong face-to-face with your creator. And face-to-face is the only thing that can change your life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room today and say, Robbie, I feel far from God, I don't know Jesus. And I wanna be close to Jesus today. Maybe that's because you've never given your life to God or maybe you're in the room today and you feel far from God because you've been doing your own thing or you've even believed the lie that you don't belong in the presence of God. But today you wanna to make a decision that I belong with God, whether it's for the first time or the 20th time. I don't know, but that's you today. I'm gonna to count to three and when I do, I want you to throw your hand up in the air and say, Robbie, that's me. I wanna pray. I wanna receive the presence of Lord in my life today. I wanna to, to live in his presence. I don't wanna just go to it. I want it to be my address. If that's you, one, two, three, throw your hand up in the air. I'm gonna throw it up really high. I see your hands all over this room. Awesome, awesome. Let's all pray this with those who lifted their hand. Let's say, Dear Jesus, thank you. She loved me. She you gave your life for me. I give you my life. Take all of it. Have your way. Use me for your glory. I repent of my sins. I confess you as Lord. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.